Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Welcome you to our new series, Christmas Presents, which is fitting for this time of year. Welcome New Brunswick, Morristown, if you're watching or listening online. Uh, with Thanksgiving in our rear view, it means we are full speed ahead to December 25th. Full speed ahead is kind of a, a good phrase, I think, to describe the Christmas frenzy. Under pressure, have you ever noticed how things at this time of year tend to speed up a little bit? Have you noticed this? Uh, I was, our family celebrated Thanksgiving dinner, and um, the next morning I was like hit with that reality. Black Friday, boom, it was like this gun went off, someone like flipped the switch somewhere, and this Christmas madness ensued in a matter of hours. The night before 9 o'clock, we're sitting on the couch, lounging by the fire, watching football, enjoying turkey leftovers, and then boom, Friday morning, it was like the Indianapolis 500 started, and uh, the roads were clogged, the stores were jammed, Everybody out in really full holiday frenzy, and um, I don't know if you noticed this, but the music and the decorations like, boom, changed overnight. Uh, our neighbors across the street have one of those giant inflatables, you know, those kind on the lawn. I don't want to offend you if you have one of those, but on, the, on that Thursday, uh, there was a, a giant turkey with a pilgrim hat on the lawn, like blown up kind of thing, and the next morning, I walk out to get the paper, and there is a giant snowman next to a giant Santa, next to four candy canes and a giant inflatable Elmo on their lawn. I have no idea how Elmo factors into it, but it was the voice-activated kind, so I got and got the paper, and he goes, <laughs> Merry Christmas, la-da-da-da. I wanted to take the candy cane and just nail Elmo like right into the lawn with the pile driver. There's something to me, I just got to be honest, about this kind of manic, adrenalized state that we enter that just kind of gets to me. Because it's like this season that's supposed to be about like peace and joy and time with family and wonder, and it's like full speed ahead. I want you to think of it this way. Um, I'm going to draw what I will call the speed line. You can draw in your notes here. And I'll draw it like this, because what I've noticed is that at this time of year, no matter what happens, whatever you do, what I'm concerned is no matter what speed you've been traveling this fall, since October, pretty much every single person in this room, your speed just automatically whoop, went up and to the right because Christmas is here. Whatever velocity you're traveling at, you are now at a new level for the next few weeks kind of leading up to Christmas, especially if you're somebody who has you know, some responsibilities or pressure at home, at school, at work, wherever you are. Uh, I emailed one of my friends the other day to see if he had time for coffee, and he was like, dude, this is my busy season. I got to get my numbers in at work. I got a year-end review. I got to, you know, forecast for the year. I don't even have time to text you back. 
And if you are lucky enough to have a job or you work in business, maybe you work in retail, it, your line, just life just cranks higher and higher at this time of year. Longer hours, you've got to take an extra trip or something, you know, or squeeze in some work on the weekend. And it's like, try to balance that with like family life and relationships. This is true for any job, even in most churches. Here's a dirty little secret. A lot of pastors dread Christmas. I know, go like this, go. <gasps> it's a horror to hear. You come Christian pastors say that. You know why? Because there's double the work to do and half the time to do it in. And there's these Christmas cliches that everybody knows we're supposed to be happy and so we have to ratchet up our RPMs and meet people, you know, commitments and people's demands and everything. It just kind of speeds up. This happens for anybody. If you're a student, you're going to have finals. You're going to have to get your papers in. It just kind of ramps up. If you're a mom at home, your line goes up and to the right as your responsibilities increase. You have one kid, it goes a certain speed. You have a second kid, it kind of torques. With the third, it's like, boom, off the charts, okay? Am I telling the truth here? This is how it goes. And nothing amps all of this up like the holidays. Because on top of everything else, there are now get-togethers with people at work, you know, the family, office parties, your, your relatives come to visit. And you've got to buy, you know, gifts to buy, for people who you presumably love. Uh, you got to write Christmas cards or make travel plans. The list goes on and on, and the speed just pretty much cranks up until you hit December 25. That's the magic date, and if we're not careful, this increase in speed can have a devastating effect upon our souls, especially on the souls of those who we say we love and care for the most. I saw a good example of this um, when we took my kids to a carnival uh, when they were little. It was one of those summer carnival deals, you know, the kind they like set up like in a parking lot, you know, one dollar funnel cake and Ferris wheel, all that kind of stuff. So I take my little girl Chase and a couple of other dads brought their daughters. She was only three or four at the time. They'd never been on carnival rides. So we said, let's start easy. And we took them on the teacups, you know, the teacups. Only this carnival's version of the teacups was a giant spinning strawberry, okay? Pretty tame deal. You sit in this strawberry. There's a wheel in the middle. You kind of spin it around. So I get in, actually Pastor Mike was one of the dads, the other guy gets in, and we get our, load our daughters in this thing, and we wait for the ride to start, and Mike grabs the wheel and starts turning it real slowly. He's like, you girls ready? And the girls, you know, start giggling, Ooh, we're going around. And then Chris, the other dad, says to me, he says, that's all he's got. And Mike's like, that's not all I got, you know? And so he, he starts hitting a little bit harder, and then Chris starts cranking the wheel the other way. And so Mike and Chris start spinning, and we're picking up steam, and I figure, well, you know, if we're 30 miles an hour and a spinning strawberry is fun, how about 60? So I join in there, and the ride starts, and now it's really fun because centrifugal force kicks in, and Mike's like kind of pinned against the wall, and, and we figure out a system now. So Chris is cranking it, then I'm over him, then Mike behind me, and the three dads spinning the strawberry like this well-oiled machine, and we're like laughing. We're having the time of our lives. Our little girls, on the other hand, <laughs> that's a picture one of the moms snapped as our strawberries swirled by. Yeah, very nice. It was like the strawberry patch of terror. And um, why is it that most of us, men in particular, believe that the only thing better than life lived in the fast lane is life lived at Mach 5? That if we can't like push it to the limits, our work, our schedule, our spending, our relationships, then we're going to miss out on the real fun. Because that picture is telling, isn't it? What you can't hear is actually what my little girl cried as she kind of spun around. As she went by, I just hear, too fast, Daddy, slow down. I want to get off too fast as she came around. And the problem is, I think that's how a lot of people feel when it comes to Christmas. 
at least this time of year, that things just start ramping up and it just gets all crazy and you're like, you know what, I just want to check out. I just want to get off. The problem is, when the speed at which we are living goes up and to the right, it can suddenly have a very negative impact on the people we say we care for and the people we say we love the most. They can feel neglected, they can feel forgotten, or worse, just kind of taken advantage of. And they just say, I just want to get off. Because in our frenzy to go faster, we fail to see how our need for speed is affecting our soul. That is the inner life, the place where God resides. If you're drawing in your notes, you can draw something like that. Uh, we're going to draw today. The corollary to the speed line is that there is a corresponding soul line. And what I mean by your soul is your inner life, your spiritual core, the, the, the place where God's spirit dwells in you. And the problem is the way it works in the spiritual life is as your speed increases, guess what? Your soul plummets. It decreases. It goes down. Your capacity to care for and love others well just diminishes because you can't do it all. No matter what you do to keep your soul alive and open and loving, if the speed of your life gets high enough, no matter what you do to keep your soul growing, at some point your lines will cross and your soul will be diminished. It's just reality. You may get your work done. You may attend all your parties. You may finish your shopping and check everything off your to-do list. But you know what? At the end of the day, Jesus asks, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own what? Your own soul. It's ironic, isn't it? At the very time of year where we're supposed to be like more awake and aware than ever of God's presence, we're often MIA because we're too busy to slow down, to actually take time to be still and be present to God and present to the people we're in relationship with. Presence. Christmas is all about presence. Not presence, but presence. The presence of God. God with us. That's what the season's supposed to be about. It's God actually hitting the pause button in heaven to come down and be present to us and with us. And in response, us opening our hearts and being present actually to him. And then all of us together slowing down and taking the time to be present to one another. Friends, at a certain point of speed in your life, you simply can't slow down your soul enough, no matter how much you want, and be fully alive spiritually and relationally to God and to those you love. And that's a tragedy, especially at Christmas. The very meaning of the season is given in the name that's, that's given to the Christ child in Matthew 1. It says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means what? Let's read it together. God with us, God present and accounted for. God slowing down time and actually breaking into history in the most intimate way possible and making himself tiny and vulnerable so we could actually see his heart for us, his love for us through his presence with us, yeah? That's what Christmas is about. It's not frantically buying more and more presents, but slowing down and being present still and quiet enough to recapture the wonder of our relationship to the Creator and taking time to recalibrate our souls so we can be truly present to our family. It's ironic, isn't it? Nothing actually crowds out the presence of God quite like Christmas. As our speed increases, our soul decreases. We get a gift for a spouse or a child, but there's no heart behind it. 
we attend a meal or a family gathering, but we're not fully present. We're, we're, we're distracted or tired because our mind is on our work, on projects that aren't finished, all the stuff that we still have to do. Do you see how rigged this whole thing is? The one time of year we ought to be so awake to the miracle and wonder of the Christ child. The one time a year where we're supposed to be most tender and emotionally available to our, our spouse or our kids or our, our parents, we're not because of speed and the devastating impact it has on our soul. So what do you do about that? That's what this series Christmas Presence is all about and how I want us as a church to invest the next few weeks we have leading up to Christmas together. As a church, my question is this. Could we actually slow it down a little bit? Yeah? Create some space, some margin in your schedule so that your soul could actually expand this Christmas instead of shrinking. <laughs> that conviction hit me only a few weeks ago. Uh, me and the uh, rest of the pastors at Liquid, we went away for our annual planning retreat. We typically, once a year in the fall, we get out of Jersey. We go to upstate New York. We, uh, we go to this mountain house. It's in the woods. It's very nice. It's got a fireplace, that whole thing. We basically plan out the entire calendar year for 2011, the next, the following year. So it gets kind of crazy because, like, we, you know, we get in there and dump all our stuff, and then we just make a ridiculous mess. Uh, I'll come all the charts and the calendars. We put 12 months of calendars, tape it to all the wall. We post sermon series ideas and notes uh, all over the place and everything. Oh, what if we did this? And then we plan out 365 days. Okay, what's the next outreach going to be? When is baptism? What are the clean water trips? And what are we doing for Easter and all sorts of issues? And if you can imagine this, so like, you know, Pastor Tom's there, he's got his laptop open, he's like, I got an idea, you know, and everybody, Dave Brooks has Excel sheets out that are this big, I can't even read them, I swear he does this to torture my eyes, and uh, we're going over all these details, we're like, what about a summer outreach, we're, la we're launching a new campus next fall, have you heard this, Montclair? Uh, you know, it's totally overwhelming and confusing. And after nine hours, we're sitting in this mountain house, and it's like stuffy, and all the stuff's all over the wall, all these calendars, and I was baked. I was like, too many decisions, and I just felt crushed. It was overwhelming. You know, try planning an entire year in two days. I don't even know what the Christmas series is supposed to be about. So I had no solutions, and I had no time, and we went to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. Next morning, I wake up, and I'm like, maybe I'll just, you know, be ready to go. And so I walk back into the main room by the fireplace with all this stuff on the wall. And Kang, Pastor Tom's laying on the couch with his CPAP on. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. And uh, so I went out, actually, to the back porch, and it's against this forest, this beautiful woods behind acres and acres of untouched forest. Uh, not a soul uh, in sight for miles. And I was like, God, I don't... I don't know what to do with all this, honestly. And I got this prompting, like he was saying, why don't you come take a walk with me out here in the woods? So I started walking deeper and deeper into the woods, and it was beautiful. That's an understatement. It was stunning. These, these, these incredible mending walls that, that traveled for miles. The mist was kind of on the trees. The sun was just starting to break through the fog, and it was, I took that picture. It was just breathtaking. And so I kept walking, kind of following this meandering, you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, and I went deeper and deeper. I just, something about that. My soul kind of opened up, <laughs> and I started praying. And, and God's like, you don't need to go through all the church stuff right now. You need, you need me. I was like, I do need you, Lord. I need your creative power. And he's like, I, I love you as my son. I, I don't love you as a pastor and all the stuff you do. I love you as my boy. And I, and, and, and I was like, oh, that just, it just lifted. And I was totally flooded. I don't know how to tell you with this overwhelming sense of his presence. This, 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 as if this voice was saying, I have all of this under control. Leave the outcomes to me. Just, 
just lean in, lean in close to me. And I had my uh, devotional I've been reading with me, and I opened up to that day's reading. It was from Matthew 11, and I read, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, what's the word? Rest. Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. And it was a moment, okay? It was like I had this overwhelming sense of, of peace just kind of invade my soul. Like in the middle of all this chaos, the calendar planning, the craziness, there was this like peace that, right, Father has it all in hands. Abba has it. And that's when I realized that the greatest thing our church needs this Christmas is a fresh encounter with God's presence. The presence of Christ in the middle of our weariness in the middle of our busyness. I mean, isn't that what Christmas is all about? This is one of the presents, guys, that Jesus offers us. He says, I want you to trade in your manic, frenzied pace of life for rest. I want you to put the pause button on your compulsive work and your jacked-up calendars. <laughs> Enjoy a moment of peace. Listen to those words again. Listen to those words. Come to me. Come here. Come here. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Instead of living life to the maximum RPMs, stretched thin relationally, maxed out and strapped by overcommitments, Jesus says, I want to give you rest for your, for your soul. Would that be a great present or what? I mean, who wouldn't want that at Christmas? To actually hit the 25th and not be frantic and frenzied and fried, but more alive, more actually available to authentically love and enjoy your family, your friends. Well, here's what you've got to understand. This gift of presence actually costs something. It's got a very steep price tag. You have to be ta willing <laughs> to take a hard look at your priorities and admit how toxic some of our choices are and be willing to say, no, not this year. And that's hard. It's hard to let go and release our grip and step off the spinning strawberry <laughs> and trust that God can actually give us a sense of his peace, of his purpose, of his presence. But that's the invitation Jesus is making here, guys. And, and I, for one, am up for the challenge. Does anyone else want to come along on this? Okay, I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm excited about this. And in a lot of ways, I need to let you know this. I am the least qualified person to teach you about slowing down and being present. <laughs> uh, those of you who know me know this. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a speed freak. And this is, so this is kind of like an alcoholic who's been clean for a few months saying, let me show you how great sobriety is, okay? It's just this, I need this gift of presence more than anyone. Uh, this became apparent for me last week when I'm, I mean, we got back from the retreat. I'm putting together plans for this Christmas uh, outreach that we're doing and for this series, and I'm at the office late. I actually had to skip dinner with the family. I'm just there working late, and uh, my wife, Colleen, texts me, and she's like, what are you still doing at the office? You know what time it is? I'm putting the kids down. Can't you come home to say goodnight? And I texted her back. I texted her back. I said, I can't come home. I've got to finish a message on Christmas presents. <laughs> Send. Somewhere off in the distance, a rooster crowed, you know? <laughs> the irony of that moment is not lost on me. So know this. I'm the chief of sinners in this department, okay? I'm a fellow learner, and I'm as eager as you to do Christmas differently this year. I want to slow down my soul so that it actually grows. And that's what I want to ask God to do for everyone here in our church or, or again, online. Let me pray for us. God, um, we have heard the invitation to come to you, Jesus, and we need your help. Many of us are weary. A lot of us are tired. Um, burdened, we're carrying a lot. And Jesus, we just need your spirit to slow us down and speak to us now about the things that truly matter. Uh, we want to experience the gifts of your presence. We want to experience 
authentic love. We want to experience relationships, peace, contentment. So please lead us into that. Would you speak to us through your word? We accept your invitation to find renewal and rest for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, here's the deal. With the time we have left just kind of introducing this, I want to introduce you to one simple concept that I think can actually make a world of difference for your soul, for the spiritual life of your family, if you employ it over the next few weeks. It's a little thing spelled M-A-R-G-I-N, margin. I introduced this to our church about three years ago, and I remember it made this huge difference in a bunch of people's lives, particularly those of us who kind of live bell to bell. We feel like we're constantly out of time, out of gas, kind of pressed to the breaking point. Margin, simply defined, is this extra space that exists between our load, what we take on, and our limits, what we can sanely handle. And I emphasize the word sanely. In other words, each of us, wherever you are, you work, business, marriage, whatever, each of us has a load, what the commitments we take on, that pushes up against the ceiling of our limits, what we can sanely handle without totally like breaking down. And the problem is for most of us, we live by default a lifestyle where our load typically exceeds our limits, especially at this time of year. We have no margin, no buffer zone, no, no space between our load and our limits. And some of you know how suffocating that can be, yeah? It is no fun, I can tell you this, to watch a marriage that lacks margin. It is no fun. Because when a husband and wife are at the end of their rope emotionally and they finally have that big blowout at the holidays and someone snaps and they get pushed to the breaking point and over the edge and the wife says, I can't take this anymore. I'm done. That's it. I'm done. You pushed me past my limit. I can't live with this craziness anymore. A marriage minus margin is by default on thin ice. Everyone needs relational margin. You need financial margin. That's one of the biggest smash-ups of the holiday season. Tis the season to spend, spend, spend. And we all know folks who kind of stretch themselves to buy stuff they can't afford for people they don't even like. And they max out their cards, and they exceed the limit, and they take on debt. And there's a moment there's a blip, an e, you know, emergency or unexpected bill breaks them. They've got to take out another loan. They've got to declare bankruptcy. It's an awful way to live. You can't rest your soul when you have no money margin between your load and your limits. It's simply breathing room, guys. It's space for your soul to breathe the interior because you've intentionally created this buffer zone where your soul can take a breath, you've got space, you've got bandwidth, and you can breathe. The truth is, we live in a culture that encourages us to kind of push it to the limit, especially as the holidays hit, yeah? Have you ever thought about how perverse it is that they call the day after Thanksgiving Black Friday? This is the day everyone starts bleeding red, okay? And we go into hyperdrive and we max out financially, we stretch ourselves thin relationally, or we come to the breaking point emotionally. And the antidote is margin. If you haven't already done so, take your Bible out, open it up. You don't even have to open to a page. Just open it up. Don't read a word. Just look at the page. You notice something? Notice the words are not stretched to the very edge of the pages. Rather, there is an inch of blank space on either side. What do we call it? We call it the margins. Margin gives extra space to each page. It gives us breathing room visually so the words aren't smashed together. I was actually on the way in. I took, I'm sorry, I stole somebody's Bible. Somebody was walking in. I don't know if you can see this. It says the NIV wide margin Bible. I'm like, I'll take that. Look at this thing. This thing's got like two inches extra space so you can actually read. You can jot down thoughts and notes. In other words, it's extra room 
for you to live. Margin is extra space. You'll see this when you drive this weekend. If you hit the highway at this time of year, it could be a pretty harrowing experience, yeah? But if you're a seasoned city driver, you know you better leave some margin for error because it may be bumper or bumper. <laughs> but you better be spaced between you and the guy in front of you. Why? Because if you're cruising along at 60 miles an hour and some tool oh, jams on the brakes and you got no margin, what happens? Boom! You've got to get Geico. That's what's going to happen. Roads are designed with margin in mind. The white strip, what's it called? It's called the shoulder. That's a buffer zone. And the idea it here, guys, is that you don't want to be zipping along with no space between you and the edge. You need margin to keep things safe at the speed at which you're traveling. If you take a plane this Christmas, some of you are going to try to upgrade to first class. <laughs> Why? It ain't the food. It's because the seats are bigger. There's more leg room. There's more margin between you and redneck Ron crammed next to you, okay? In the physical world, every one of us intuitively understands and respects the concept of margin. But when it comes to spiritual margin or moral margin, or emotional margin, in all the areas that matter most, that is most often where we fail to set the limits that are necessary to protect the health of our soul. For instance, take moral margin. Let's say, um, let's say you're a young lady, uh, who you're in a dating relationship with a guy who's pushing you too far physically, further than you want to go. You've decided in your mind that sex is for marriage and you're in, a, in, your, you're in this relationship. You're not having sex, but you're two or three steps away from that. And every once in a while, he pushes you just a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And it's stressful for you. And you don't understand it because you're like, well, well you know, I, I, I know he loves me, but it's just kind of like it's weird. I feel stressed. I feel like it's because he's pushing you to narrow your margins physically and morally, and when margin decreases, stress increases every single time, every single time. Stress makes people anxious and angry. <laughs> if you're here today and you are a pretty stressed out person, you find yourself with a short fuse on a daily basis. People are like, you're always blaming others, you know? It's because you lack margin somewhere in your life. You actually lack the space and the buffer zone to function normally without the stress. So, so if dinner's late or your plans get delayed or your, the kids make a mistake or your spouse you know, buys something you didn't budget for, you explode because <laughs> you have no patience. There's no room for error and, and, and others are going to always get the business end of that at work, at home, wherever. The ones you love get the angry part of you. Or worse, the part with no emotion at all. See, if you live with someone who doesn't have any margin, you feel like you never really get their full attention, undivided. If you're a person, don't nudge the person next to you. I'm seeing some of that. All right, I see that over there. <laughs> if you're a person without much margin in your life, the people around you feel like you don't ever actually engage with them. You show up for dinner. You actually went on vacation this year, and yes, you take a day off. But even though words are coming out of your mouth and you nod your head, oh, yeah, at the appropriate time, the people around you feel like, hey, 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 she's not here. <laughs> He's not engaged. Hey, Dad, you're, you're here, but you're not here. <laughs> Honey, when you're home... I'd rather you were just still at the office because that's where you are. You're physically present, yes, emotionally MIA. Why are you so distracted? That's what happens to people who live without margin. You cannot fully engage relationally because your mind is somewhere else. Thinking about that extra work that you committed to or the project coming up or, or where are you gonna, you know, you're going to get the money for this or that. And um, when margins decrease, guys, relationships are always the casualty, always. That's the biggest tragedy of all because Jesus was asked one time... <laughs> what the greatest commandment was. And do you remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength and with all your what? Your soul. So relationship with God. The second on par with it is love your 
neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus says, everything else mentioned in this book falls under one banner, relationship with God and others. And that's hard, isn't it? Because relationship takes time. It actually requires margin to do the things that demonstrate love, like listening, like actually going beneath the surface and engaging on an intimate level with those around you. If you're, if you're married, um, nothing destroys intimacy like a lack of margin. And I'm speaking from experience here, honestly. I have had these moments in my life where, where Colleen has literally snapped her fingers and goes, Tim, where are you? <laughs> oh, I forgot, it's Saturday night. Kids, your father has checked out. He's already at church. <gasps> Busyness is the enemy of intimacy. You cannot be intimate and be very, very busy at the same time. How can you love when you don't even have the bandwidth to listen? And so our loved ones suffer. Our kids get neglected instead of nurtured, which is why Jesus calls us back. He says, come, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and just take a load off. Let me help un untangle your soul and reorder your priorities so that you can actually live a life of love, not just busyness. See, in the end, margin is about making room for love. So in the context of work, it's actually declining, that extra project that will move you ahead professionally because you know you're maxed out and you're cheating your family as it is, and they need your presence more. In the context of, of family, relationships, whatever, it maybe, maybe, this is kind of, I'm going to go risky here, maybe margin is deciding that the kids are only getting one extracurricular activity instead of racing around like a NASCAR driver to soccer, dance, and taekwondo and all the rest of that madness. And maybe your kids miss out on something during the holidays, but guess what they get? They get you. Margin is actually having a thing called free time in your schedule, not actually booking it all up, but allowing the freedom to rest or relax or just slow down or do something spontaneously with friends, with with your kids, instead of everything just kind of jacked up against each other without a second in between, bell to bell, when the buzzer goes off each morning. In a financial sense, margin may mean that you don't actually max out at Christmas this December. Imagine that. Or maybe you don't go away in the new year. Or take that car loan, or whatever debt it is you're thinking about. I, if I could just stretch a little bit, if I could just... Margin is actually getting to the end of the year and having money left over. <gasps> second gasp of the day. Margin is getting in an argument and having the emotional bandwidth to deal with it without losing your mind or machine gunning your spouse because even though you take an emotional hit, you don't lose your temper. You actually start swinging because you've got extra reserves to draw on on the inside and absorb it <laughs> or sanely address it without going over the edge. That's what margin is, guys. And the truth is, just like you want margin on a piece of paper, or just like you want margin on the highways, there's something in all of us that needs margin in every critical area of our lives. Because that's how God designed you. That's how he designed your soul, to actually live with margin. You were not designed to live at your limit. It is not good for motors, and it is not good for souls. Dr. Richard Swenson He's actually a physician. He's a doctor who's written extensively on the spiritual and the, uh, 
you know, the effects of marginless living, and he authored a book called, by that name, and also one called The Overload Syndrome, which just kind of, um, for me, honestly caused me to reevaluate my entire approach to life and leadership. Um, but Dr. Swenson is more than a doctor. He's actually a follower of Christ. And he writes that spiritual and moral effects of marginless living are not simply unwise but deadly. He says this, overload is fatigue, margin is energy. Overload is red ink, margin is black ink. Overload is hurry, margin is calm. Overload is anxiety, margin is security. And add this, overload is the presence of the spirit of this world. And margin is the presence of the spirit of of God, of Christ. Margin is breathing room. It is space to cultivate everything that actually has eternal value. Not consumerism, contentment. Jesus can give you a spirit of contentment even though you don't think you have enough. You can have everything going off and everything on your dashboard going off and he can actually give you a spirit of peace. Margin is what enables us to actually bring ourselves, bring life, love, and joy to all the relationships that matter most actually add value to our relationships, not just leftovers. So let's just have an honest moment now right together. I want to show you a scale and ask you a question. Where would you put yourself on this scale right now today? On this continuum between overload and margin. If you're negative 10, um, that means you're maxed out, you are overwhelmed, you are a crispy critter. Uh, you were late for church when you got in here for worship, you cursed at somebody. Uh, you're just like, you know, you're just limping along. Maybe you're working two jobs to make ends meet or pay off your loans, whatever. Negative five, that'd be you're, you're, you're depleted, you're kind of exhausted. You're like, you're like the mother of four who said, you know what, I just need a break. I just would love to go to the dentist and sit in that chair and relax, you know? It's like zero means maybe you're zero, maybe you're zero today. Maybe you're in a good spot. You're neither stretched nor strapped. You're, you're busy, but you're not overbooked. You're actually able to maintain fairly healthy relationships you have some time maybe to invest in others. You're, you're balanced for now. I don't know if anybody here is a positive five. That means you've got like, create, you're, you're balanced, you're rested, you are zen, man. You are characterized by serenity. Is anyone here positive five? Anyone? Okay, one person in the back. You can go home now, leave church. You have just had a great day. Where are you today right now? My, my question in asking you to think about this diagnostic, and if you really want to be honest, ask the person next to you, where am I? <laughs> my question is this. Could you commit to going one click up between now and December 25th? One click. So that maybe come Christmas, let me get back here, maybe come that big red circle on the calendar, you're not negative three, but zero. You're actually back to balance. You're available. This is an invitation, guys, to recalibrate your soul in time for Christmas, to actually clear room for God's presence, for him to speak to you. Can you imagine God speaking to you? It's not an invitation from me, but it's an invitation from the Christ child to you. He says, come to me, all you who are weary. Does anybody identify with weary? Weary in the Greek is actually a speed term. It's like you've been running really, 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 really fast, really, really, you're like, <gasps> you're sucking wind. And he says, how about burden? Burdened actually has to do with weight. Refer to what somebody was carrying, the load you've taken on. How heavy is your work? How heavy are your relationships? How heavy are your finances? Everything that's weighing on you. He says, come to me. Those are you who are weary and burdened. I will give you, what's the word? Rest. This is a crucial word. And this is not an invitation to now take a nap, okay? <laughs> to like, you know, to like, say, I'm going to sleep late. I'm going to get back to the, on the treadmill tomorrow. That's not what this is. 
This is about cultivating an internal lifestyle that's in sync with God's presence, Christ's presence. Presence is about surrendering to God actually all over again, every day. <laughs> and admitting he's the only one in the universe who actually the universe depends on. That's one of the reasons we, we actually work compulsively. <laughs> I'll just be candid, I do. Or we jam our calendars, our commitments to the hilt because we think, well, the world depends on me. <laughs> if I don't take care of everything, who will? <laughs> it's practical atheism. <laughs> we say we believe God will take care of things, but then we strive and strive and strive and strive as if he has nothing to do with it. Presence is about making room for the rest of God. With the rest of God slowing down inviting him to actually reshape and recontour your soul. That's, what, that's why we call it recreation. Do you, see? you know, we say, we go, oh, take time for recreation. You know what recreation is? Recreation, where God's spirit recreates you, everything that's been torn and stretched to the limit. So practically speaking, today, if you wanted to take some steps tomorrow to experience the rest of God, to find rest for your soul and be more present, more present to Christ, more present to your family, what do you do? I want to give you three ideas and I would normally call them, you know, three things to do, but here's the deal. You don't need more to-dos. <laughs> In fact, most of us need a not-to-do list. And that is my challenge number one to you this week. Rest your soul and create a not-to-do list. Go ahead, write it down. I'm giving you permission right now. What is one thing that you can say no to this holiday season? An invitation Maybe it's a committee, it's an obligation that would normally stretch you thin or max you out, that you, with the help of God's presence, actually say, imagine this, you actually, God, help me, Jesus, I can do it, give me the strength, I'm going to say it. No. No. I mean it. No. <laughs> can you, you may even enjoy this. This is going to be very challenging for some of you, especially those of you who are people pleasers. This is going to be tough for you, okay? Because you may have to say no to something you would actually like to do for something that's even better, margin. So this is your pastor giving you permission. You can blame it on me. Rest your soul this week and create a not-to-do list, okay, between now and Christmas. What are you not going to do? Challenge number one. My second challenge is to actually feed your soul and take time to be still. Making room to be still and silent and all alone is actually one of the most powerful ways um, for me to experience the presence of God. I notice that God loves to show up when we go on vacation. I don't mean to the beach. You know the word vacation means? It means to vacate. When we vacate our work, when we vacate our relationships, we vacate, we actually remove ourselves. We vacate our laptop, our iPhone, our Blackberry. We vacate and make ourselves present to God's spirit. I have a resource that I, uh, I want to recommend to you. In fact, it was one that was helpful that day. Each morning for the past three months, I've been reading this little book called uh, Jesus Calling. Have you heard of this? It's a very brief devotional. Uh, it has one for every uh, day of the year. It's actually written by this, this gal, Sarah Young. She's, a, she's like a missionary to Australia planning Chinese churches. I don't understand. This is like excerpts from her prayer journal, but here's what's unique. It's written in the voice of Jesus as if he's speaking directly to you, and it is powerful. The subtitle is Enjoying Peace in His presence. Jesus is calling. Do you hear him? It says, maybe you share the author's need for a greater sense of God with you. Or maybe Jesus seems distant to you without you knowing why. Or maybe you've wandered farther than you ever imagined you would. Here is a year's worth of daily readings to bring you closer to Christ and move your time with him from monologue to dialogue. Can you imagine actually hearing from God 
And each day is written as if Jesus was speaking directly to you because he is. Do you hear him calling? If you're looking for a place to start, this is an excellent tool. I've given a couple of these out um, on Tuesday. This past week, I was kind of moved to tears. It's, it, it's, it's not this. It's based in Scripture. You look up the references. You read slowly. You actually make room to be still and say, God, I speak. Your servants listen. You can experience peace in his presence. It's a great way to feed your soul. Or maybe you just want to read the Bible, honestly. I'll tell you um, candidly, maybe you want to reread the Christmas story again. <laughs> Because I get to this time of year, and I'm like, oh, I've heard it all. I know, the donkeys, the sheep, the whole thing. <laughs> so you know what? I realized my heart's hardening to this, man. I grew up in the church. I hear this like every year. So I reread Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. Sometimes scripture gets so familiar to us that you need to experience it with fresh eyes. And so I did that this week. I started reading the story again slowly, kind of recapturing, like, why would God choose a 13 or 14-year-old girl and give birth in, like, a, 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 a animal trough, like the this baby is going to save the world? That's crazy. Reawake, reawake the wonder. Take time to feed your soul. That's the challenge number two. The last challenge I have for you today is the only thing you can do once your soul is well-rested and actually fed. That is to exercise your soul and serve others. My favorite movie this time of year, The Grinch, who stole Christmas. You remember The Grinch? Whose heart was two sizes too small. At this time of year, nothing enlarges your heart by taking the time to serve others in need. Because though a lot of us, here's the deal, guys, a lot of us are cramped by all, you know, all the shopping to be done, all these parties we got to go to, it helps to remember, you know what, there's some people who have no parties to attend. They actually, they got a lot of time on their hands because they have no job to complain about. They got no consumer qualms because they got no money to buy gifts. They're poor materially, we're time poor. But there's something about us slowing and taking the time and rolling up our sleeves and actually serving strangers that restores the soul. It actually enlarges your heart. And the good news is you have a chance to do that on Saturday, December 11th. A lot of you have signed up for this at Operation Christmas Child. That's our citywide outreach to families and kids who are living out of below the poverty line. And a lot of you have signed up for this. Honestly, we don't need a lot of more volunteers, candidly. But we're like, you know what? We don't want to deprive you if your soul needs some CPR. So sign up online to volunteer. Um, we need people to help serve lunch to those families, to play with the kids. Imagine that. Take time to play with the kids. To pray with the parents, to wrap up all those you know, free toys and clothes. Just a chance to let your soul expand, okay? By giving away your time, giving away your money to people who have neither. So sign up online. Exercise your soul and serve others at on the 11th. Guys, I really hope this Christmas will be different for us, will be different for you. Because you know why? It can. It can. God says, whoever seeks me with all his heart and his soul will find me. And at Christmas, we celebrate the reality that he literally moved heaven to come to earth to save our souls. And now he wants to fill them with his presence. I want to ask him to do that right now as we come to the Lord's table. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray right now for every man and woman in this room listening online, Morristown, New Brunswick, all our campuses, God. We are surrendering to you all over again, and we're admitting that our hearts get hardened at this time of year, that we sometimes bring cynicism, not compassion to the table. And God, I'm the chief of sinners. God, I thank you for coming from my heart in the woods, that you'd love me enough as your son, as your child, that you'd do that for me. 
Father, would you just infuse your spirit, tenderize our soul of this church at this time of year. Let us see with the eyes of Christ. Let us see the wonder of what you've done and be part of your kingdom coming. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in the days leading up. Lord, the advent, the arrival of Christ. We celebrate that now. We make room for your Holy Spirit now, and we pray that we would encounter you through communion, Lord. As we come to your table, we survey your cross, that you gave your life for us, Father. And we light a candle asking you to illuminate our way, Father. We want the presence, the light of Christ to shine this Christmas. May it be so with us. Start with me. We're your people. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.